Yeah, thank you, Dylan. And uh, I would just uh, say thank you to him and to all that, that serve, whether it's children's ministry or behind the scenes of a camera or uh, in a parking lot or at a welcome center or any number of places. So thank you, uh, just from the bottom of my heart. We couldn't do it. What, we couldn't do what we do if you're storing God's ideal without, without your help. Uh, as I think about that, let me just share real quick uh, something that I always share with uh, our partnership class. Our partnership class is kind of the next step if uh, you want to be engaged here at First Church. And if you're an all-in follower of Jesus here at, at First Church, we talk about it in terms of, it's easy to remember, one, 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 to encourage you to uh, worship one hour a week, which you're doing. Uh, secondly, to find a place to grow one hour a week. And what, what is that? It could, it could be a, 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 a small group. It could be a, a table group. It could be a class after a Sunday morning or before a Sunday morning. It could be a BSF group that you do with others from the community uh, that, that meets here. There's any number of opportunities, cares, any number of places where you can grow that one hour a week. And so one hour a week of worship, one hour a week of service. And the last one would be to serve one hour a week. And so where would you do that? You can do that inside the walls or hall, walls, halls of the church, but you can do it also outside uh, the walls of the church. I love hearing stories about how you're involved in the community, serving on in different nonprofits or soup kitchens or just different cool places in the community, just loving being the hands and the feet of Jesus. So again, think about it. one, one, one. One hour a week of worship, one hour a week of growing, one hour a week of, of serving. So again, thank you for what you contribute as we work together to restore God's ideal. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. We're going to wrap up this series we've been in. Uh, again, first time I've ever uh, preached through the book of Ruth. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have uh, as well. It's a powerful story, not just of this relationship between Ruth and Boaz, the relationship between the mother-in-law Naomi and the daughter-in-law Ruth, and we see that relationship, and there's so much to learn there. Uh, I would just caution you, it is not a tale if you're a single person looking for that significant other, that special someone in your life. Do not use the book of Ruth as your dating manual. There are some things in it. I would not try this at home, so just a little sidebar uh, note. But there's a lot to learn, but not just in the, in the lower stories we've talked about, but in this upper story, what it teaches us, what the book of Ruth teaches us about God's pursuit of his people. What this book of Ruth reminds us of when it comes to God's relentless pursuit of us, of his love for us. And what this book reminds us of in this story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I hope you've been encouraged by it. Let me get us caught up as we enter into chapter 4. And so what, was, what kind of ended up with chapter 3, Ruth, the young Moabite, destitute, widower, uh, with limited resources, her future prospects were very bleak. She goes to Boaz, this wealthy landowner of extraordinary integrity and character, and she asks him to be her kinsman redeemer. Now, a kinsman redeemer in their culture, it's really critical to understand, if we, as we look at the story, it's critical to understand what that is, what that's talking about. So let me, just in case, maybe this is your first week here, or maybe you might dozed off last week when you were talking about a kinsman redeemer. Let me just remind us all of what a kinsman redeemer is, just so we're on the same page, because it's be really important. You might be a little lost if you don't understand what this is as we go into chapter 4. But a kinsman redeemer in Jewish law and custom was a person that was responsible for someone that related to it. It's a relative. And on behalf of that relative, that they would intervene. A relative who was in trouble or in danger or in need in some way. And the kinsman redeemer would step in and help. 
And one of the ways that that kinsman redeemer could step in and help is the situation that we find in the book of Ruth. And so what had happened, the kinsman redeemer, Ruth's uh, husband had died, and, and, but, and she, did, she had no children, so there's no heir to carry on the family name. And land was passed from one generation to the next. So there was no one to pass the land, which was really important, to that next generation. And so they didn't want it to be lost. And so the kinsman redeemer would come in. Usually a brother would be the first, and they were, there was an order, brother first, and then a, an uncle and cousin, whatever. And, but the brother would be the first person that would step in, marry the widower, the widow, and then have a child, and then that land would pass to that child. So the family name could continue on, and that land could be passed down as an inheritance to keep that land in the family. So here in the book of Ruth, we have Naomi, who was married to Elimelech, and they had two sons. And the dad dies, and the two boys die, and they don't have any other heirs. And so Ruth is this daughter-in-law, doesn't have any children, and so that's what is going on in the book of Ruth. With no heir, Naomi and Ruth are destitute widows on their own without a lot of, you know, options. And so Ruth goes to Boaz, who is in line to be a kinsman redeemer, a family member that could step in and be helpful to buy the land back for the family, to have an heir, produce an heir for Elimelech's family so this land could be passed down to the next generation. And so Boaz was willing, as we see in chapter 3, he was willing to be that redeemer. But there's only one problem. There's another relative who's closer. The relationship is closer than Boaz. And so he says, all right, yeah, I'm willing to be the redeemer, but there's someone else that's in line before me. And so I need to talk to that person first. And then if they're not willing to redeem you, then I will. I'll step in if they're not, but they have to get... They have first chance. And so with that all in mind, let's jump into chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom, whom Boaz had spoken came by. And so Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. And so they sat down. So Boaz, just like he said, he said, I'll go tomorrow and I'll take care of business. And he does exactly what he says. And so he starts taking care of business. And see, he goes to the place, which was the best place probably to see this kinsman redeemer that was next in line was the city gate. The city gates, think of it in terms of like a combined town hall slash courthouse. It was the place that they would do business uh, there. It's the place during harvest time. It's where everybody's coming in and out of town. And so it was the perfect place to potentially run across this guy that was in line to be the kinsman redeemer. And sure enough, he's sitting there for a little while, and he sees this guy that's next in line. He says, hey, friend, won't you come and sit down? And so he does that. And then also, he says to 10 elders of the, of the city, who were, must have been kind of milling around too, he says, well, you guys sit down. Just shows you too, the, maybe the stature of Boaz. That he says to this guy, you sit here, and then, okay, you 10, you guys sit here, and we're going to do some business. And so he's going to now talk to them about the business of this kinsman redeemer. And so he begins to lay out the business. Verse 3, and he says to the redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you about it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here, these ten, and in the presence of the elders of my people. 
If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me and I, that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I'll redeem it. So this other guy says, I'll redeem the land. I will step in. I will do that. Scripture is telling us about Naomi, who is Ruth's mother-in-law. She's come back, and she needs to sell the land that's been in their family for generations because she's destitute. She has no way to, uh, she really doesn't have a lot of alternatives or options being destitute, and so she's going to have to sell this piece of land. And so Boaz starts out with this guy that's next in line to be this kinsman redeemer, and he says, now, you can step in and buy this land. And so he talks to him in terms of this real estate deal. So, and, and he sees it as a real estate deal. You can invest here. Uh, you can redeem this land. And the guy says, all right, yeah, sounds good. I, I'd like to add to my real estate portfolio. So yeah, I'll buy the land. And this is not, as we see here in the first few verses of chapter 4, this is not the happy ending that we'd hoped for. This is not the hallmark moment that we'd hoped for. We are all hoping, I hope you're hoping with me, hoping that Boaz would connect with Ruth, that Boaz and Ruth would be married, not this guy that we don't even get his name. I mean, his name's not even included. We don't even know who this guy is. And so Boaz has laid out what the law requires. He's laid out the way it's supposed to be done, that there's this other person that's in line before me, and so I need to go to them first. He was doing the right thing the right way. And what, you need, what we need to notice is that we, in Boaz, we see his integrity. We see him doing the right thing. He doesn't try to manipulate the, the situation and compromise his integrity and say to Ruth in some backdoor deal, hey, here's what we'll do. I know this other guy's in line to be the kinsman redeemer, but we'll just act like we don't know about that. And we'll get married and I'll buy the land back and it'll all be good. And we can, you know, after, after we get married, then there won't be much anybody else can do. And so it'll all be okay. We'll just look the other way. We'll cut some corners. It'll be all right. Because in the end, it's the right, it's, it's a good thing. We'll just do this good thing the wrong way. And Boaz, Boaz, no, that's not what he's going to do. But we see him as a man of integrity doing the right thing the right way. That as people of integrity, we don't do a right thing the wrong way. As a, a person of integrity, we don't skip the process. In other words, what we see Boaz, what he teaches us here, we look at this example in chapter 4, is that it's always the right time to do the right thing the right way. And doing this right thing the right way is what we see here. Giving this other kinsman redeemer the opportunity as the law lays out, as their custom lays out, it was the right thing to do. It reminds us of Boaz's integrity. It reminds us of what we see through Scripture about how important it is for us to live right, for us to live with integrity. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus tells us, but, tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. That's what we see with Boaz. You do the right thing the right way, and all these other things will be added to you as well. Follow God's plan. Do what's right. Do it right the right way. And Boaz was committed to doing right things the right way. In verse 5, Boaz says, then next, this guy's willing to buy the land, to redeem the land back into the family. He says, but the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead. 
in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And then the Redeemer said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So Boaz lays out the rest of the story. Up to this point, it was just a good investment deal. It was just a good real estate transaction. It's, it's just adding this piece of land into uh, this other guy is thinking into his investment portfolio that then he can pass on to his descendants. And Boaz is like, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Uh, it's going to cost you more than that. You're going to have to also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the, the widow uh, of Naomi's and Abimelech's son. You're going to have to acquire her, and you're going to have to produce an heir through her with her, and then that heir is going to get this piece of land, not your kids. And he's like, oh, wow, I, I can't do that. That's going to mess it up. I've already got it planned out, what I'm going to give my sons. I've already got it planned out. I've got this money I'm going to divide up between them. And if I take the money that I've got that I'm going to divide up in this inheritance and I buy this piece of land that that's going to go to this other person and into this other family's name, that, that just messes everything up for me. And so what we see with him, and he's not willing to do that. You see, he was probably thinking, well, if I buy Naomi's piece of land, then I would have to marry Naomi. And that's not that big a deal because Naomi's way past childbearing years. So there's no way there's going to be some heir produced. So all this land and, and all the resources of it, it'll go to my family and my kids. And, and so that'll all be good and because there'll be no other heir. Have you ever watched Shark Tank? Remember, Shark, if you watch Shark Tank... They'll lay out the, here's the business deal. Here's what we're making. And here's our business or whatever. And if you want to invest in the business, then, you know, they, they kind of haggle around about that. But if they don't, if the, the sharks don't like what's being presented, they don't think it's a way to make money or whatever, they'll lay out, okay, because of these reasons, then they say, they lay out the reasons like, and because of that, I'm out. And so here is this guy, this other potential kinsman redeemer. And he lays out, well, because of it, it's going to mess my inheritance. Because of those reasons, I'm out. And so he decides, I'm not doing the deal. The ROI, the return on investment, is not worth it for me, so I'm out. In verse 7, it says, And now this was the custom of for, in former times in Israel, concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. And so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. So the way they sealed the deal, much more interesting than having a notary just notarize the, the, the whatever, they would take their sandal off and they would give it to the other person. And you're like, what in the world is that all about? It's because the, it just re, was representative of the, their sandals, where they walked, where they stood. He's, they're saying, I'm taking the sandal off so that, so that, so that I, could, I, I will never stand on that piece of property in these, in, in, within this, with the shoe, in the shoe, standing on this. I, I give up my rights to walk that land. I give up my rights to own that land. Now, I have so many questions, don't you? I, do you get, does the guy get the shoe back? Or is he, now does he walk around with one shoe? Do, do real estate, you know, people, do they just have closets full of all these shoes from doing all these real estate deals? I have no idea, but just questions pop into my mind. I don't know if that happens to you. Um, but it's official. Now with shoe in hand, Boaz himself can do the deal. And so then Boaz says to the elders and all the people, you're witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech. And all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. 
And that was Elimelech's kids, Naomi's two boys that had died. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And the name of the dead, that the name of the dead may, be, may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gates of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Boaz was willing to do what the other guy would not do. Boaz was willing to make the sacrifice. Boaz was willing to invest his personal resources to redeem Ruth and, by extension, Naomi, because she's, he's going to take care of her as well. And so he marries Ruth, paying the price of the kinsman redeemer. And for Ruth, think about this. This is a deal changer for Ruth. Ruth, who was this foreigner, destitute, with no hope, no idea about how she's going to ever, you know, know what, what her future's going to be with you know, her and Naomi. And now she becomes, in one fell swoop, with one decision of this guy willing to, uh, to invest his resources, step up as the kinsman redeemer. Now he's going, she's going to be his wife, the wife of this prominent nobleman with tremendous character, extraordinary integrity. This other redeemer who was unwilling to pay the price. Apparently, he had the resources to, to buy the land because he's like, okay, at first, when he thought it was just a land deal, okay, yeah, I can do that. So he had, the, he had the resources, but he didn't have the resolve to do the hard thing. And what we see with Boaz, he had the resources and he had the resolve to do the right thing. And it's a reminder that Ruth chooses the right redeemer. It's a reminder to us that we need to make sure that we choose the right Redeemer. There's a lot of places in our world that would be, would be where we might choose a wrong Redeemer. Like the, our world who tells us, well, you know what? If you're just, if you're, if you're just you know, better than most, you, you know, you're probably going to be good. You, you, the way that you win God's favor, the, our world will tell us, is, well, just, just, just be a good person. If your good stuff outweighs your bad stuff, then, then you'll be good. That's the way most religions work. If you, just, if you keep the laws, if you keep the rules, that's, a way to, that's the way to be redeemed. That's the way to earn God's favor. But we're reminded that the law, doing right things, keeping commandments, that's, that, that's a dead end. We can never be redeemed by keeping the law. The law has no power to redeem. The law points to to what's wrong and helps us to see what we've done wrong, but it has no power to save us or redeem us. Think about the, the law as a measuring stick that tells you how short you are. That's what the law is. It tells us how short we are, but it has no power to make us taller. That's the law. And trying to keep the law, trying to keep the commandments, there is no redemption in the law. Just like this unnamed redeemer had no power to actually redeem Ruth or was unwilling to redeem Ruth, so it is with the law, so it is with doing, just trying to do good stuff. Romans 3, 20 says it this way, for no one can ever be made right, by do, right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Friends, there is one redeemer for Ruth that could get the job done, and that was Boaz. And there is one redeemer for us that has the ability to get the job done, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the redeemer. He did for us what the law could not do. So we go back to the story. 
Now, it doesn't say, you know, if there was another shoe exchange here, but what we, what we see is the deal is done, the transaction is, transaction is done, everything's legal. Now, uh, he's going to, he's going to be the kinsman redeemer, he's going to buy the land back, he's going to get Ruth as his wife, he's going to take uh, Naomi along as well and provide for her, and all of a sudden, this town gate becomes a reception hall, and everybody starts standing up making speeches about how awesome this union is going to be. And that's what we see in these next verses. Then all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May, the, may you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Because the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And so they're just, and we're not going to go into who Tamar and Boaz and or, uh, Perez and all, all those people are. But just suffice it to say, they're saying, may you be blessed, have lots of kids, and may they be a blessing to the world. That's what they're saying. And so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So the Hallmark, excuse me, Hallmark movie that we'd all been hoping for, it happens right here. In these verses, what we'd hoped for all along comes to fruition. We see Boaz taking Ruth and they get married and, and, and she uh, has a son and she conceives and she, they have an heir. And what's really interesting is that, that Boaz does his part as a kinsman redeemer, but she, Ruth is also willing to be a part and to be fruitful uh, and have, have this heir. Which is something that is, you know, again, a great reminder for us. That, that God does the heavy lifting. God provides the Redeemer in Jesus Christ. And then we have the privilege to just say yes to being fruitful ourselves. To be a part in this relationship that, that we have now with God. To, to be fruitful. To love in His name. To reach out in His name. To, to work out our salvation as we saw in that little video where it talks about, uh, where Dylan was talking about uh, from James. How faith without works is dead. And we see we can give our lives back in worship and reverence and submission, the agenda of the Redeemer. And we see that in Ruth. And so Boaz and Ruth, they marry. Ruth has a son. And then what's interesting is that attention shifts off of uh, Boaz and Ruth and shifts back to Naomi. And they talk, begin to talk about Naomi. Naomi, who the, the chapter 1 had started out, and she was the one, she was the mom, her and Elimelech. They, 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 they walk away from the promised land, and they go into this foreign land, and it doesn't go well, and her husband dies, and her two sons die. And, and it's just, a, just, just, you know, there's all kinds of tragic results. And when she comes back home to the Bethlehem area where she left, do you remember what she, they, she said to people to call her? Remember what she said? She said, when you come, are you Naomi, they said? And she's like, no, don't call me Naomi. Naomi, call me Mara, for my life is bitter. Call me, just call me bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I, I lost my husband. I lost my two sons. Just call me bitter. But what does God do that we see here in verse 14? It took a while 
you know, we've got multiple chapters here, and she comes back, and, and there's, there's, there's struggles, and how they're going to make it, and Ruth goes, and she gleans, and she gets, you know, she, they're able to survive, but what's the future really going to hold beyond this harvest season? And, and so there's a lot of unknown, but here we are in chapter 4, and we see in verse 14, what does it say? Naomi, what do they say? What do the women of the community say to Naomi in verse 14? Blessed be the Lord. He has provided a redeemer, Boaz, not just for you. Not just for Ruth, but for you. He's restored your life. He's going to take care of you. And then they list, the, the Lord's given you a daughter-in-law that loves you. And notice how Ruth is described to Naomi. Naomi, this woman who lost her husband and lost her two sons and was bitter to the point, she says, just call me bitter. Just look at my name tag. It says bitter. And yet she goes from that, and now here the, the women of the community, they're like, they say to her, your daughter-in-law loves you more, and what did she lost? Two sons. Your daughter-in-law loves you more than seven sons. You see how God has redeemed? How he has restored her? That Ruth was better than seven sons, and on top of all of that, the best thing ever, you're a grandma. Anybody excited about being a grandma? Grandma, grandma grand, grandparents? are pretty awesome, I understand, okay? That's the best job ever. From what I, I, I'm not one. I just hear great stories about how great it is. And so Ruth had made her a grandma until she had moved from bitter to blessed. And God, friends, God's still in the business. I don't know what bitterness, what struggle you might have, but God can redeem your situation and God can move you into that position of blessed as well. And then, verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and, began, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Abinadab, Abinadab fathered Nasham, Nasham fathered Salome, Salome fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. We have this picture of Naomi, aged Naomi, now a grandma holding little Obed. <laughs> Seems a little odd, I think, as you read that, that the, the women's sewing circle got to name the child. Kind of weird. Uh, the women of the community name, name the child. But we probably got some weird stuff if they were here in our culture that they think would be weird as well. Uh, but here's Obed. And notice who Obed is. Obed is the father of Jesse. Hmm. Doesn't seem that significant. But who, is the fa who then does Jesse father? David. Obed, this child is the grandparent of David, King David, the King David, the preeminent king, the man after God's own heart. This is Ruth's grandson. And so here is Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, and they've got, you know, this, this, this story of how, you know, there was some struggle and how there was loss and how God helped them and restored them. And, and it's just a beautiful little story about now this is a little family and they got a child but then we, 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 we go back and we, we zoom back out and we see how God used this moment in this bigger grand story of what he's doing in our world. And to this day, what happened here impacts us. David, the grandson of, of Ruth and Boaz, 
And then Jesus comes, is born from that line, and now Jesus is our Redeemer. There's some powerful things in this final chapter. Let me, and I tried to kind of put them in there and say them subtly, but let me just draw them out as we conclude today, as we have each week in this series, and just give you some lessons from the field of grace. And what do we learn in chapter 4? One thing I think we see in Boaz that we mentioned, that it's always the right time to do the right thing the right way. Boaz was committed to do the right thing the right way in the right time. Are we committed to that? Do we understand how important it is to be people of integrity, to, that, that how we live matters? If we say that we're a follower of Christ, that it matters if we are God's people, if we are representing Him in this world that is watching us, and it matters if we take upon ourselves the name of Christian, of Christ. And we don't see Ruth and Boaz cutting corners. They could have, they didn't. They did the right thing the right way. Our integrity matters. It's always the right time to do the right thing the right way. Secondly, it's critical that we put our trust in the right Redeemer. Our world is pushing a lot of different Redeemers. That, hey, you can just, you, you don't even, you know, there's, there's no God. You can just do your own thing, be your own boss, be your, just do what's right in your own eyes. As long as no one else gets hurt, it's all good. No harm, no foul. Or, or at best, maybe the world says, well, this religion, that religion doesn't matter. Just be a good person. Be better than the other person, and you'll be okay. God, you know, if you win God's favor by the things that you do, that's not the right redeemer. There's only one, one that could redeem uh, uh, Ruth, and that was Boaz. And there's only one that can redeem us, and it's Jesus. And we, like Naomi and Ruth, we're in need of redemption. There's no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3 tells us we need to make sure that we choose the right Redeemer to fix our problem and the right Redeemer, the right kinsman Redeemer that can purchase us out of destitution, us out of hopeless, a hopeless situation, us out of our slavery to sin, to buy us back, for, to buy us and to help us do something that we can't do on our own. There is one person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. Ruth trusted her kinsman redeemer we need to trust ours the one that god has provided for us trust christ the one who gave his life for us by his death and resurrection he pays the price so that we can so that our penalty our what we owe for because of our sin the wage of our sin can be satisfied by our redeemer our debt paid by the redeemer there is one right redeemer and it is jesus and then another thing I think that we learn is that God is still in the business of, business of moving people out of positions and situations of bitterness into blessing. Have you had a struggle? Or have you gone through a difficult, bitter season? Here in chapter 4, we're reminded that in time, whether it's this side of eternity or the other side of eternity, that God will move us into a season of blessing. So here's the picture of Naomi, the bitter Naomi, now at the end of the end of the of chapter four, and she's holding little Obed, her grandson, in her arms. And she's moved as the as the women of the community just talk about the blessing that she has in Ruth and the blessing that she has in this child and the blessing that she has that she also has a redeemer in Boaz. To be reminded, friends, that God can turn our bitterness into blessing. And then finally, that we need to embrace our role in God's story. As our worship team comes back up, as we see here, 
all the generation, all these generations later, we see how Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, how their story connects to our story, that how God was doing this whole big thing. And now today to think that God has brought you here and by his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit is here and he can, he can just move in us and help us to realize that we have a redeemer in Christ and you are here and you're not here by chance. And that he loves you and he wants you here and he wants you to be reminded of how much he cares for you. We got something to celebrate that we're a part of this bigger thing that we can be of what God's doing. Are we willing to, to be a part of that? Ruth is a beautiful story of God's redemption. The God's in the business of providing a kinsman redeemer for his children who are in need. He provided one for Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, and he has provided one for us in Jesus. Will you accept by faith the work of your kinsman redeemer, Jesus? Today, I want to invite you to make that decision, to invite Christ to be your Redeemer. So I'm going to pray for you. And as you make that decision today, we'd love to give you some resources that would help you. And so if you'd like to have access to those resources, you can text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. Again, we'd love to give you some resources to help you in that journey with Jesus. Again, text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. We'd love to personally as well talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. We'd love to have that conversation. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite you to stand as I pray for us today. We have a chance to respond. Whether we've been redeemed or we're going to make that decision today, God has a plan for us. He can move us from bitterness to blessing. There's so much to learn in this passage. So Father, today as we conclude, God, I want to pray for that person today as they have made a decision today by faith that they want, they need, recognize, just like Ruth, they come to you and just recognize, God, I need a Redeemer, and I, by faith, accept Christ as my Redeemer, the one who gave his life for me. I recognize I can't do it on my own, and I need a Redeemer. And so, God, I thank you for for that person that right now is praying that prayer and offering themselves back to you in relationship, that as they seek the forgiveness of their sin and accept what Christ did on the cross, that you're redeeming them, that you're setting them right, you're inviting them into your family. And God, I thank you for that. And God, for those of us who have already made that decision, I pray you would encourage us today as we read this, this chapter. Just remind us, God, of how you have us, have a, part, have a part for us in this grand story that you're working in this world. We love you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's celebrate our Redeemer.